Hey everybody, welcome to episode 375 of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. It's a foodie Friday. I'm talking about nutrition today, dieting, and building a healthier and more fit body. I'm going to be going over five different things to make tracking macros easier. If you guys have listened to the podcast or know me and my methods, you know that I am a big fan of tracking at least calories, if not macros as well. Um, but for some, it can seem daunting, it can seem really tough, and it can um, be a skill that takes a long time to learn. And I'm going to go over five things that will make it easier for you and help you guys out to get to your goals even faster and with less of a headache because tracking can sometimes seem like a headache to people. Hopefully this episode helps you. The whole mission of the podcast is to help people I don't make money off of it. It's just a side hobby to express some fitness opinions and hopefully help people along their journey, change some lives along the way, who knows. So let's start with today's episode. Enjoy the episode, everybody. Five things to make tracking macros easier. Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Keep listening for some awesome advice on health, motivation, and becoming a better version of yourself. Be sure to tune in every week for Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. Behind the mic today, your host, a strength and conditioning coach, husband, and businessman, Jordan Stoltz. What's up, everybody? Jordan Stoltz here, your host of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Welcome to another episode. This is 375 of the show, and uh, I'm going to be talking about tracking macros today. I usually do my nutrition-type episodes on Friday, make it a little foodie Friday type of situation. And uh, I wanted to talk about tracking because obviously I'm a fan of it. It's what I do. I mean, I work for a macro tracking app company, so it is something that I am pretty experienced in and know how to help people along their way. And I want to talk about today five different things that can make tracking easier for you because I see all the time people get burned out of tracking. People really be over the whole concept of putting everything you eat into a phone. Just want to live normal lives and stop that kind of habit. And you know, you don't necessarily have to track to make progress. I've done episodes before on making progress and hitting your goals without macro tracking or calorie tracking for that matter. It's possible. It just requires a little bit more um, attention and it is a little bit harder because you don't have just those strict numbers to go off of. Tracking is probably the most efficient way and honestly it's the most easiest way to hit your goals because it's it's going to be something you can easily manipulate. Really hard to manipulate calorie burn workouts, um, estimating intuitive eating, that kind of thing is hard to change variables when you need to if you plateau. That's why coaches typically like tracking or meal plans or something like that because they can easily add and remove calories or meals or foods. Um, And if you're doing it yourself, it's easy as well because you can just drop your numbers instead of having to think about how to alter serving sizes, um, meal preps, and things like that. So I am a fan. I think it is a very efficient way, but I get how it can lead to burnout and it can be really difficult for people to do it consistently and long enough to hit their goals, honestly. So I want to give five things today that make it easier. And these five things are things that I've found from my experience coaching people and also in my own years and years of macro tracking very consistently. Um, I'm going to jump right in. Number one, 
is to eat the same foods to get some repetition. I think that it makes it so much easier. I mean, even on the app side of things, if you're adding the same foods over and over again, there's likely features to help you with that. In MyFitnessPal, there's multi-add, there's the recents list. In other apps, there's going to be the recents list and um, things like that, or even copy features where you're able to just move foods day to day, um, depending if you eat the same thing or not. So I recommend keeping things relatively the same. What I like to do actually is to structure the beginning of my day almost all, if, if possible, all the same. So the same breakfast, the same lunch, the same snacks, no matter what, until you get tired of them. And then you just rotate and keep them the same for another few weeks. And then you can have some variation at dinner. So save that um, spice of life kind of thing for dinner. If you're eating different foods all the time, eight different breakfasts through the week, well, that doesn't make sense, seven different breakfasts through the week, uh, it's going to be harder to track. You're always going to have to be searching for foods in the app, finding nutrition info. And to be honest, there's more likelihood that you're going to have error in there because you are, um, you know, you're adding a whole bunch of different foods. There's many different, there's more options to mess up. So eat the same things if possible. Find like three breakfasts you like, find like two to three lunches you like that are good macros. That's why I typically focus on protein, vegetables, a little bit of carbs and keep the meals smaller at the beginning of the day, big meals at the end of the day with some variation. Um, and then maybe a dessert too. So that's kind of how I like to structure things. I think that it helps people a lot and it does affect um, one I'm going to talk about later on. So I'm going to wait on that, but it does affect kind of how the errors wash out. And I'm going to talk about that later. The second one is a good way to make tracking macros easier. I've seen this many times is to get more calories to work with. I did an episode on this not too long ago, how to diet on more calories or how to lose fat on more calories. And to be honest, it just has to do with like what I talked about earlier this week about moving more and eating more. And I've seen it time and time again where the people who have really low calories, uh, they really get burned out because it's hard to hit optimal protein. Uh, you know, maybe that's 0 0.7, 0 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. It's hard to hit that number and also stay with low calories and enjoy yourself because you're going to have really low carbs and fat. The only way to get those carbs and fat up a little bit higher and make macro tracking a little easier is to move more and be a more active individual. Activity is a big catalyst in your progress. This can be steps through the day. This can be intense cardio sessions. This can be endurance sessions. It can be really anything that burns calories as long as you're doing it consistently and finding some way to measure energy output so you're putting the same intensity into each session. What I mean by that is you don't want to say, I'm doing an hour on the treadmill each day, but some days you jog, some days you walk at one mile an hour, a lot different uh, calorie burns there. So it's important to keep things, whether you're measuring calorie burn itself, even if it's an estimate, not adding that food back in, but just measuring it in terms of that so you know how much in, uh, time to put in. Or maybe you just do the same thing, like sprints are pretty hard to have too much variation as long as you're honestly at like 80 to 100% of your max on sprinting. Um, you do 10 sprints, you're going to be burning the same calories roughly um, as long as you have the same body size, no matter what day or time or anything you do though. So big fan of that, of increasing your calorie expenditure. I, you know, it's way easier of course, to track when you're maintaining, bulking, something like that. When you're in fat loss, it's a lot more of a grind. 
kind of sucks and having low calories makes it that much harder. So if you're eating repetitive foods and you have a lot of calories to work with, you're able to fit in a lot more and really just eat more simple foods and honestly, easier foods to track because if you are really low on calories, you're going to be eating a lot of sugar-free foods, a lot of high-volume foods, which are actually a little harder to track, like eating a massive mixing bowl salad because you're so hungry is a little harder to track than you know, eating a bagel and cream cheese. It's pretty easy to measure those things if you have the calories to do it. I'm not saying that a bagel is a better choice than a salad. I'm just saying sometimes it's easier to measure things from packages or things that are more common foods to eat instead of a bunch of specialty products high in protein, high in volume, and low in calories. The next one is to practice estimating and to be sure you build that skill. I think a lot of people use macro tracking and calorie tracking as a crutch, and they don't build the skill of actually eyeballing and estimating, you will, even if you're in perfect conditions right now, you will come upon a time where you need to eyeball and estimate your food if you're tracking or if you stop tracking. You need that skill. So it's important to learn how to do that, to know what four ounces of chicken looks like, to know what a cup of rice looks like, to know how to estimate how much oil or butter is in a vegetable that you get at someone else's house or at a restaurant. These are all very important skills. I can look at a burrito and know if it's 250 calories, 900 calories, or anywhere in between. I might be a little bit off, but as I'll talk about next, that doesn't matter that much. It's just getting relatively close. You really don't want to rely on macro tracking so much that you order a burrito and you don't really know at all how many calories it is, and you track it, comes up as 950 calories, and you're shocked because you only set aside 300. If you're good at eyeballing and estimating, you'll know uh, ahead of time almost what you're in for. So it really helps to build that skill, and really what you just need to do is set aside a day as almost estimating day if you're okay with a little bit slower progress maybe at first. I think it's worth it. It's a trade-off that will pay off down the road. It's important to build that skill. So like on Saturdays for me, typically don't eat just with uh, my wife and me at home. So if we're eating with my parents or family members or something like that right now, I will estimate that. And I won't weigh anything that whole day. I'll track. I'm not having an untracked day. I'm not having a cheat day or a cheat meal. I am estimating that day though. So um trying to figure out in my head how many calories and macros are and everything. And then the next day, as long as your sodium wasn't ridiculously high or your water intake super low, you should be able to see how close you were based on your scale weight. If your scale weight jumps up four pounds and you estimated that you were right on track with your numbers in a fat loss goal, you likely underestimated. Sometimes you overestimate as well, which is what I'm actually more guilty of because I always am adding oil and butter into things because I assume people are using more fat than I cook with. So sometimes I'll be actually assuming I'm eating more calories than I am and I'll be lower weight the next day, which is an okay thing. I'd rather do that than the opposite. So the next one is that you have to realize that error washes out. It's an important concept for macro tracking that you don't have to be perfect every time. For example, if you are always measuring a cup of rice and your cup is always heaping over and you have an extra quarter cup in there all the time, the fact that you're eating actually a cup and a quarter of rice instead of a cup 
doesn't really matter as long as you have a coach or you are adjusting your calories here and there to make sure you're staying on track. It all washes out. If you, in the burrito example, if you eat a burrito every day and you assume that your 500 calorie burrito has 700 calories, if you're making adjustments, that's going to wash out and it's really not going to affect your progress. So I like to tell people that for generic foods, like a piece of lasagna is a piece of lasagna. You might be 100 calories off and that's okay as long as you're consistent with how much you're off. A burrito is a burrito. A piece of pizza is a piece of pizza. As long as you're relatively close, you don't want to log a New York slice as 100 calories. But um, as long as you're getting close with the estimating, it's all going to wash out. Now, I will say that washout is more, um, it washes out cleaner, so to say, if it's a food you eat all the time. So if you're always measuring ground beef a little bit wrong and you eat ground beef like four times a week, it's not going to be as big of a deal as you go to a restaurant and you know you estimate that your big meal has 750 calories, but it has 1,500. That's going to be more of a big deal because it's happening once in a while. It's spiking up your average for the week, and that will hold you back. Um, but if you're getting pretty close, it's not going to be too big of a deal. And if you're doing that error consistently, it's all going to wash out anyways. And once again, that's assuming you're adjusting things as you go, which you definitely should be doing or get somebody or an app to do it for you so you aren't just uh, spinning your wheels, staying at the same numbers just based on a simple calculation. Those errors, though, it's not a big deal. When I look as a coach at people's food logs, I don't look at the measurements too closely. If it's a food they eat often, I will look for like anything super glaringly off, like if they have a bowl of cereal and they say they ate a half cup of Cheerios, I'm going to question that because that's not very many Cheerios. You know what I mean? Or if it's chocolate chip cookies around Christmas and it's 80 calories worth of cookies, I'm probably going to ask about that if they actually only ate like a quarter of a cookie or if uh, they're tracking the cookies wrong because those things do add up, especially if there's a lot of them in a day. But if it's something regular like you know, you pour your milk in your cereal and you just estimate it all as a cup or two cups in your cereal. Not a big deal if it's actually a cup and a half and it's a little bit off. It's all going to wash out over time. The last one is, of course, to build the habit of tracking. It's only going to get easier if you do it. And just like many other things, learning any kind of skill, it's going to take practice. And macro tracking, calorie tracking, dieting, fitness, it is a skill, and it needs practice, it needs reps, and it needs, um, you know, perfect reps are actually more effective than not perfect reps. So if you're getting good tracking in, meaning you're weighing your food, you have your estimating day, you are tracking everything you eat, you're not skipping days, you're not cheating, doing things that way is going to build your skill up, and it's going to build your habit, and it's going to start to feel automatic. When you get to the point or tracking your food feels automatic, not a burden, that's when you can avoid the burnout. It's only going to feel like burnout if you are adding it in as a new thing into your life. It's a big change. I tell people all the time that it's not something small. Changing how you eat changes a lot about your day and a lot about your life, actually. It changes your social life significantly. It changes almost how you draw happiness at some times. Um, 
changes how you cook, which is a big part of your day, changes a lot. So it's important to build a habit of the new lifestyle. And you can just do that with reps, honestly. It's not a groundbreaking tip. You just have to put in the work. And a lot of times people skip that. Um, if they say that tracking is too hard or they're not able to hit their numbers, I'll most likely look first at how long they've been doing it. If they've only been on for two weeks or one week or three days, I'll probably tell them to get in at least three or four weeks, push through, have some discipline for a month and see how once the habit is built, things get a lot easier. And I guarantee you they will. And those are the five things to make macro tracking easier for you. I hope those are helpful um, to review. Eat the same foods quite often. Build up a nice recent list, so to say. Get more calories to work with by moving more so you're not so restricted. Practice estimating one time a week or so so you um, get really good at the eyeballing side of things and aren't a slave to weighing your food and measuring. Realize that there's a concept of error washout here and it's not going to make a big difference if you're a little bit off consistently just be sure you're trying to get close and then of course you need to build the habit get in the reps have the practice so this becomes a lifestyle change that lasts through times when it's not optimal because those will come up so that's it for today guys i hope you guys enjoyed the episode if you like the show be sure to subscribe to it on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on review it if possible and if you have any questions for the podcast, you can reach out to me via email or Instagram. I always put those links in the description of the podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy Friday, and I'll see you guys on Monday. Possibly we do have some company coming this weekend, so probably Monday, if not Monday, Wednesday. And I'll talk to you guys next week regardless. Have a great one, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Triple F Podcast. Please leave a five-star iTunes review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Tune in next time for more great tips on, on fitness, fitness, food, and, and freedom. freedom.